We are kicking off a brand new series today that we are calling, gosh, what are we calling it? No matter what. No matter what. And we're going to be looking at the book of Philippians uh, for the next few weeks, probably the next four weeks. We'll be looking, unless we just get inspired and we keep going a little longer, but at least four weeks we'll be, we'll be looking through the book of Philippians and seeing what that book has to say to us. Because I believe it's going to teach us how to love God no matter what. And so that's why we titled this series, No Matter What. And so um, we're going to learn how he's called us to love others and serve others no matter what as well. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles, you can grab your Bibles and look in the table of contents for the book of Philippians. Uh, if Every verse that I read is going to be up in the big screen behind me so you can follow along as well. But we're going to be in chapter 1 today. And so I thought I'd start off our time together by asking you a question. And the question is, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. <laughs> so if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. <laughs> All right. So you guys are good. And you only did two claps, which is what... I was going for it. So throughout the message today, as I do this, would you guys respond by doing that as well? So let's practice. Very good. Very, very good. So I've been thinking about this word happy ever since we've been on the series. We were, we were just finishing up a series called Made to Endure. And we, keep, we kept, as we were talking through this series, kept bumping up against that word happy. I don't know if you guys remember that, but we kept, I, I, I kept mentioning happy, not every single week, but several weeks while we were going through our series, I kept talking about happy, happy, happy. And so I want to tell you a little story of, about, about happy because uh, I, I got a call from a, a longtime friend of mine uh, some time ago, and high school friend, and he, uh, it was actually his wife called me. She said, Abdi, I need to talk to you. Pastor Abdi, I need to talk. I'm like, well, can it wait? No, I need to talk to you right now. So, okay, let's talk. She said, your friend has left me and has gone to be with another woman. And I said, what? No, not him. Yes, okay, let me call you back. I'm going to call him right now. I called him. What are you doing? First I said, Hi. Then I said, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, Abdi, you know, life is going really good. My career is soaring, and I've decided I, I've fallen in love with this other woman. And so I am going to, you know, I have. I've left my wife, left my kids, and I'm going to go with this other woman. And what? He's like, yeah, because, you know, at the end of the day, God just wants me to be happy, right? I mean, isn't that what he wants? I said, I was listening. I said, wait, 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 wait. Say that again? Yeah, God just wants me to be happy, right? I said, where, where is that in the Bible? Sh show me where it says that God just wants you to be happy. I, I haven't seen that yet here in the scriptures. And he couldn't. He, and so we talked for a while. And, you know, I... I I'm kind of giving you the brief version because if you know me, I'm not just going to say, what in the world are you doing? We're gonna, I'm going to love you and I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to talk with you. So we talked for a while. And at the end of the day, he said, Abdi, I appreciate what you're trying to do. 
I know what you're trying to do, but I've already made my decision. So thank you, but I'll talk to you later. And I'm like, okay. I hung up the phone and I just thought about how he was getting ready to experience some incredible pain in his life as soon as he made that decision. And yeah, he might have tried to be happy, but he was going to be experiencing some incredible pain. And I think happiness is something that we pursue and something that a lot of times we chase. You know, the Declaration of Independence says, right, life, liberty, and what? The pursuit. And it's funny how it's in the Declaration of Independence says the pursuit of, they can't even guarantee happiness. They said the pursuit of happiness. So, but it's something that I think we chase a lot. And I, I think we chase it because of the way it makes us feel emotionally. And I think many of us, including myself, we, we, we like this feeling and we're willing to do whatever sometimes it takes to chase this happy, to do whatever it takes so, so that I could be happy. But the thing about happiness that I was sharing with the kids is that it does, it's just like a bubble. It bursts and it doesn't last and then we keep trying to find happiness wherever we're at. And we start thinking things like, well, when I start that company, then, and I make my first million, then I'll be happy. Maybe when I work for that hospital and I get that job and I build that ministry or that real estate company, then I'll be happy. If I could just get that job or that dream house or, or that dream car or that dream dude or that dream dudette, <laughs> if I could just get that, or maybe if I could just have a, a house in the mountains of South Carolina, then I'll be happy. When I score that winning touchdown, or my favorite team wins the championship, then I'll be happy. Maybe when I graduate at the top of my class, then I'll be happy. But what I've learned is that happiness lasts as long as that. That's it. Two claps. Four claps if you're counting two and two. That's how long happiness lasts. Not very long at all. But yet we chase it. We go after it. Pursuing happiness. The wisest man that ever lived. He said in his book, of Ecclesiastes, he said that it's like chasing after the wind. It's like happiness is like pursuing infinity. You just keep going, keep going, trying to get it, trying to get it, and you never quite arrive. And people ask me, well, Pastor Abdi, why does it seem like you are happy all the time? Does it seem like that? People tell me that. Why does it seem like you're happy all the time? And I have to say, well, the truth is I'm not happy all the time. <laughs> I'm not, I have moments of happiness, but I'm not happy all the time. Marie and I, uh, we have been married for 90 years, for 90, nine years. <laughs> 90, uh, nine years, and I can tell you that we have moments of happiness, but we're not happy 24-7. Uh-uh, we're not. I'm not just happy and peppy and bursting with love all the time. I'm not. I'm not just happy and peppy and bursting with love. Happiness comes from the, the Latin root word, hap which means circumstance or luck. 
if everything falls into place the way I need it to, all my ducks are in a row, are in a row, and I'm on a roll, then I'll be happy. Then I'll be happy. My friend, he bought that lie that God wants me to be happy. We hear that all the time. God just wants me to be happy. How many of you guys have ever said that? Maybe you've said that before. He just wants me to be happy, right? We live like we want and we do what we want to do. We sleep in this bed or we go to this, you know, this job. We, we don't confront this. But then when we get confronted and say, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You say, well, I just, God just wants me to be happy, right? That's not what the scriptures say. A lot of times we play that God card. Well, God just wants me to be happy. The truth is, he doesn't. He really wants us to be what he says in the scriptures is obedient. That's what he wants. Then when we're obedient, we'll discover something way deeper than just being happy. God does not want us to be happy. He wants something so much more for our lives. And I'm calling what I want to chat with you today about winning. That's what I want to talk to you about. Winning, winning, not just win, not just one win, talking about a lifestyle of winning. And so we're going to look at what the writer of this book, Philippians, his name is Paul, said as he writes this book about winning. He calls it joy. Joy lasts way longer than just that. (laughs) Nobody else did it, what happened? Let's try it again. Joy lasts longer than just that (laughs) two-handed. Yes. It lasts longer than if my, all my, the things I want fall into place and if all my ducks are in a row. It lasts, joy lasts so much longer than that. And so how do we live our lives in a way that no matter what happens to us, we are always winning? Let's talk about that. Many people live in the shallows of happiness. It's kind of like my two boys who, when we go to the pool and we're swimming, they, they're in the shallow part of the water and they have their floaties on. They could easily stand up and not need the floaties, which they do, but they want the floaties on and they just splish and splash in the water and they just stay on that part. And every once in a while, they'll look at the, the deeper end of the water and they'll see people jumping in to the deeper end. And, and sometimes they'll say things like, man, I wish I could just, I want to see what that's like. What life is like on that side, the deep end. That's, that's what I want to talk with you today about. How to go deeper than just the shallows of the waters. We have this nature in us that seeks this deep stuff out, that we want something deeper. And there are two levels. There's the shallow end, and then there's the the deep end. And in this series, we're going to look through the book of Philippians, and we're going to go into the deep end because I want to talk with you about something that is way more profound than just happiness. I want to talk about deep stuff. Because when those people have the courage to actually jump in the deep end of the water, I see their faces when they come out, and they're saying, yes, this is it. This is what life is about when I come out of the deep end of the water. So it's, it's, it's what I call winning. The Bible calls it joy. Winning, deeper than just one win. You can win one time, but what about this lifestyle of winning? How would life be different for all of us if we could just accumulate win after win in our lives? 
You might have a loss here and there, but it's still you're winning. How do you do that? How are you on the winning track? I'm telling you, oh yeah, if you're listening, if you can figure out how to be in this, cultivate this way of winning in your life. So many of us, we are in the shallows and looking at the deep stuff, wishing we could be there, but we settle just for trying to be happy. But what happens when we get unhappy? What happens when things are not happening for us? The armchair experts, they say things like, well, just go out and have a few drinks, right? Just go out and, and, and girl, buy yourself a new outfit, right? If you're feeling like that, just, just if you're not happy. I mean, these people are well-meaning, but they're swimming in the shallows of the pool. They, they want you to be happy, but they're, they still have their floaters on. They're superficial and shallow with no clue of what's going on. So let's see what some smart people said about, about how, how to live this, how to go deeper than this. And I want to talk about these people that have spent thousands and thousands of hours doing case studies and interviews. One of them is a guy named William Glasser. A picture of him is coming up behind me. He's a 20th century psychologist, and he says that the greatest need in mankind is to love and to be loved. It's the greatest need. William Glasser said that. Viktor Frankl, he's an, another psychologist, an existentialist. He said, it is all about purpose and plan. This is what he said. He said, there's a picture of him coming up too, I think, right there. If someone has a purpose and plan, they will experience happiness. Bruno Bettelheim, he's a Nazi survivor of a concentration camp. He said this, men need hope. And it's all about hope. If someone loses hope, then they will lose their desire to live. And I would submit that these brainiacs, brain people, are, they, got, they got a part of it correct. They got a lot of it correct. But there's, they're still swimming in the shallow end. There's something deeper about this that, that I want us to get close to, get closer to. You know, Glasser, Frankel, Bettelheim, they, they still have their floaters on. They're still in the shallows. Even though they've studied about this for hours and hours, they, they, they don't go deep enough. They don't talk about the real stuff. They're not, they haven't talked about what the scriptures call joy, which is having the tranquility of the soul because you're winning in life. So what does God say about this? Instead of blaming him or excusing him or saying, well, God just wants me to be happy and playing the God card and lying about what he says to yourself and to others, let's just see what he says. In the book of Philippians chapter one, this book is, is talking about joy that is beyond what we experience naturally in our lives. It's about having this outrageous life, about having this contagious life. It's about winning in this life. It's nestled in the New Testament. It's written by this guy named Paul the Apostle. This guy had been shipwrecked. He had been left for dead several times, bitten by snakes. And now he is chained to a Roman soldier. And what does he want to do? Fourteen times he talks about this word called joy. Notice this about the book of Philippians. Paul writes it from a Roman prison. He's not discouraged, although he could be sulking in his misery, which would make sense, right? Of everything he's been through, he's, he's, he's there, he's sitting in this prison, and he's facing the death penalty, and he's lonely, he's hurting, he's hungry, he's probably sick, he's broken, he's been beaten, he's gone through so much, and yet he writes a letter to his friends 
about joy. He's winning, and he's causing everyone to pause and notice the other soldiers, the one he's tied to, to take a pause and look and say, what is it about this guy? Is he even living in reality? Why does he have joy after everything he's been to? I don't believe that this guy can be acting this way. I don't understand why he's like this, and yet he's saying, actually, this is the best place that I could be in this prison. That's what he says. I was talking to Nick this week. Nick, the guy that was just up here making the announcements, and on the back of his phone, he has something that says, enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. And I was thinking about it, how that is actually a truth in the book of Philippians. And joy, joy, the process. That, that joy is a process and not a destination. There lies a truth there. So if you want, you can grab your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Paul's going to tell us that joy is a process and not a destination. It is a decision followed by a process, but not a destination. Here he is saying he's in Rome, writing to the people of Philippi, and he says in verse 3 through 5, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray that joy, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And so he opens up with this word so he can explain the depth of the relationship that he has with them in the gospel. He opens up with this partnership, this partnership of the gospel. He opens up this, this, this book with this sense of grace that is perhaps the best word to summarize what it is that we believe about God as followers of Jesus. That we are sinners, but that God is gracious. That unlike other religions, the faith of ours does not teach that you need to pay God back through some kind of karma or through some reincarnation, some debt that you owe God, you know, that you have to suffer, you have to suffer in purgatory or, you, you know, you're, you're dying and you're going to hell, that God is a God of grace, that, we, that, that sin convicts our hearts, but as we repent, that's, a, that's key right there, as we repent, God is gracious with us and he gives us this undeserved favor, this unmerited love, and God is not obligated to us in any way because he's such a great God and good God, but that our relationship with God is absolutely tethered by grace, and that God is a God who gives grace, and what that means is that that we are to receive God's grace humbly, and we are to share it gladly, that if your sin, that, that, that if you sin against God and you repent, you say, well, okay, I'm in this partnership with you in the gospel. I'm in this partnership with you, and you might sin against me, but the truth is that I sinned against God, and I repented, and so now I have this relationship with God. So because you may, even though you may have sinned against me, my response is gonna be what God responded to me, which is forgiveness. He, if, if I asked him for forgiveness, he forgave me, so if you ask me for forgiveness, I'm gonna forgive you. This is how us as followers of Jesus, we, we get this word called grace, and so we get it from God, and we give it away because God has given it to us. Does that make sense? Say yes if you're following with me. Okay, so you say, I repent, I forgive me, God, you love me, God. Now, just because we get grace, it doesn't mean that 
we're always going to be happy. Just because we get grace, it doesn't mean that, that the, the Bible says that we should rejoice, that, that we should fake being happy all the time. Absolutely not. It, it talks about be, rejoicing with those who, who rejoice and weeping with those who mourn. And, you know, just if, in the book of Isaiah, Jesus is considered a man of sorrows who's acquainted with, with suffering. It's okay to be bummed out every once in a while. You don't have to fake it to be happy all the time. We're talking about something so much deeper. The majority of the book of Psalms are songs of lament, people who are bummed out. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it says there's a time for weeping and sadness and sorrow. It's okay to be sad sometimes. You don't need to fake being happy. Joy is a lifestyle that includes sorrow and grief and pain and poverty and loneliness and death and all that stuff that Paul's going to write about in the book of Philippians because joy is a lifestyle that celebrates the forward progress of this partnership of the gospel with Jesus. So I need you to get that. So Paul is, is saying, I'm suffering here, but guess what? The gospel is progressing. I may have gotten beaten, and I may, I may have gotten bit by snakes, but guess what? There's a, a forward progress. It's not all meaningless, and it's not all vanity. There's something meaningful that's happening here because people are seeing the difference that Jesus is making in my life, and it's encouraging them to investigate Jesus, and people are becoming followers of him, and their lives are getting changed, and sin is being forgiven and a relationship is being reconciled and and people are receiving hope and new life and I rejoice in the forward progress of the gospel and so for you and I as followers of Jesus those of you who who are and maybe those of you who are going to be today decide to follow Jesus here's what's so great everything is an opportunity for the forward progress of the gospel Everything is, no matter if it's dark, if it's hard, if it's painful situations in life, even if it's without, it seems that it's without merit or purpose, there's, there's joy because it's all for the gospel. That people will meet Jesus and experience the same love and transformation that we have. So it is grace-centered, it's peace-giving, it's memory-making, it's joy-inducing. What we're talking about, there is a gospel partnership, there is perseverance, this enabling. This is what we call winning. So it's a process, not a destination. The next part I want to read is Philippians 1.6. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until, to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Can everybody say completion? Very good. If you ever watch anyone build something, if you remember a, a couple months ago, what was it? We were, I was just talking to Kate. Four months ago, I think it was, that the potter was here. How many of you guys remember the potter that was up here doing his thing, right? The pottery and everything. You remember you were seeing it at first. You're looking at this pile of mud, of clay, right? You're like, what? is he doing? And he was like cutting and, and doing stuff. You ever seen somebody build and they grab like old pieces of wood or, or even a painter, uh, an artist, and they start throwing this black paint and this orange paint and this green paint. And you're like, what are you doing? It's like all mixed together. It looks all black. Uh, what are you doing, artist? What are you doing? You know, potter, what are you doing? Builder, what are you doing? And it doesn't look very pretty as they're working on it, Right? But it's because they're not done yet. It's because they're not done yet. They're, they're putting these pieces and stuff together, and it, it, it's, it's because it might not look good 
at first, but it's because they're not done. And you guys, we, we talked about this before when we talked about our series um, called Trained by the Journey, that God is an artist. It is what he does. The Bible calls us works of art, that we are made in the image of God. And scripture says that we are God's workmanship, that we are unique and that we are his canvas. But so often God is building or he's sculpting or he's painting in our lives and we don't understand how it all comes together and we don't understand the color scheme and the scale and we say, God, why are you doing that? Is this speaking to anybody? God, it's not supposed to look like this, God. It doesn't even look right. But God is working to complete the work that he started. God is doing, he, he's going to work on what he has, he's going to work out what he's working inside your life. God is going to work out what, he, what by his love and grace, what he's already working in you. And let me tell you, that brings me confidence and that brings me joy. Joy is the confidence that we know whatever circumstance and whatever we are processing, that it, this is part of this gorgeous painting that God is making of your life and mine. In high school, right when I was about to graduate, a movie came out that I absolutely loved. I watched it over and over and over again, and I loved it. And it was called Life is Beautiful. Have you ever seen that movie? Anybody ever seen that movie? It's an amazing one, all these accolades, all this recognition. And it was about this guy who was at a Nazi, Nazi concentration camp. And at the same time, he's saying, life is beautiful. You know, it's funny because all these movies that you see that have, uh, make all this money, they all have gospel messages that they got, they got their ideas from the, the Bible. You know, this redeeming thing that happens in the movies. Where do you think they got this from? It, it happens in the Bible. And so, so, so if you're here today and you're thinking, man, I, I don't understand what I'm going through, why I'm going through what I'm going through, what we should say is, God, I want what you want. God, I'm your, your canvas. You just paint, God. You just work. You create. You innovate. Make me beautiful. Do what you got to do. If you're here today and you're far away from God, maybe you don't believe in Jesus or you have doubts about the Bible, that's okay. Just keep attending here. Just keep coming because I'm telling you, you wouldn't be here unless there was something deep calling you here. And, and there's this builder, painter, artist that is completing his work in you, that, that what he started, it, if you would step across this line and say yes to Jesus and become a follower of Jesus, he's going to complete that work that he's doing into you, in your life. And, and when Jesus has come into your life, he'll forgive you and he'll cleanse you. And then once he's in your life, you will become like this white canvas. And God has the freedom to paint and paint and paint all over you. And you will not truly discover joy until you allow God to build and sculpt and paint. And it's all about completion. So how do we know? How do we know that the great artist, the great master, the great builder, the great potter is at work in our lives? How do we know? Well, the first thing that Christ does when he comes into our lives is that he cleanses us and he forgives us and he gives us this white canvas. And then after that, you know what he does? He puts the Holy Spirit in our lives. You know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one in three and three in one. They coexist and are co-eternal. The Holy Spirit has a, a, a major priority in our lives, and he works from the inside out, and he redecorates your life, right? And he redecorates, and he helps you to start winning. 
And so how do we know that he's working in your life? Well, the Holy Spirit is working from the inside out. So what comes out of your life is how we know if the Holy Spirit is in your life. And the scriptures say that what comes out of your life should look like something like this. Not exactly this, but what am I talking about? Fruit. Fruit. What kind of fruit are you producing? Are you producing the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit has worked in you? Or are you producing like, this is like fresh and it smells good and it's sweet. What kind of fruit? And you know, Galatians 5.22, it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love. And what's the next word? Joy. Joy. Do you have joy in your life? If that is what is being is that what's being produced out of you or is it this rotten type of fruit that smells yucky and needs to be thrown out or is it just the peel you know once you peel the fruit if that's what you're producing what's going on because if the holy spirit is inside of you he should be producing really good fresh fruit are we fresh or are we stale the Holy, do, the Holy Spirit produces fruit called joy. And guess what? This is not just for me. If this is what comes out of me, guess what it's for? It's to share. Vicencio, you want a Mandarin? Nice catch. Who wants a Mandarin? Andrea, don't, 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 don't. Here it goes. Ah, all right. That was a bad toss on my part. Good. You share the fruit. The world says, well, I just need to pursue happiness. If I just pursue happiness, then I'll catch it. And it's wrong. It's wrong. If you pursue happiness, you will end up with the opposite, which is unhappiness. We have to take the floaters off and go deeper to discover joy. So joy is a process, not a destination. Next, joy is relational. It's not circumstantial. 1 John 15, 11, Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and, your, and that your joy may be complete. There's that word again, complete. Think about this picture again. God is completing it. He is the artist. James 1, 2, and 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And see, it is true that people think, well, I can just... I can just come to a point in my life that I can just evade all the problems in my life. If I can just come to this place where, where, where I have no problems, then I'll be happy. What kind of thinking is that? You guys, life is full of problems. And the problem with life is the problems. But sometimes people think, well, if I can just avoid all these problems. But we live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, we cannot do it. It is how we process the problems and what we do with the problems. And the scriptures teach us how to process the problems and how to, do, how, how to have joy how, so that you're winning in this life. Look at what he says, the Apostle Paul, in the book of Philippians, verse 12. Paul says, Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Can everybody say advance? All right. You guys are awake. I love it. The word advance is a deep, deep word because the picture behind it is a group of people who go before the army. 
that word advance is there's this group of people that will set the way, pave the way before, so that the army, it'll, they'll take the brushes out and, and allow for the army to be able, there's got to be some people that go before the army, right? So that way when they're going, they're not having to stop and wait for this thing to get cleared out. No, there's this group that goes before them and they clear everything out so that the army could go in and take care of business, right? So it says a lot to me because when I have problems and I feel like I'm being shipwrecked, uh, I feel like I'm being beaten, I feel like I'm getting snake bitten, and I want to go into this depression. And, and what should I do? I should remember that God is working with my canvas and that he is, he is, he's using those situations and those circumstances to clear away that underbrush so that the gospel can be advanced. Can somebody say yes? As my friend I was telling you about earlier, he was trying to convince me that what he was doing was the right thing and we were on this conversation. I thought to myself, well, there goes another person who has been deceived by this lie that God just wants you to be happy. They've bought this lie, and they just, they continue to peddle this lie that God, you know, I just, he just wants me to be happy. That's what they think. God wants me to be happy. I, I, I talked with him a little while after we talked that first time, and his family, his kids had just gone into this weird tailspin, and the lady that he had ran off with, he got married with, but he ended up committing adultery on her, and he went with another woman, and all the money in his career that he was doing so well in lost most of the money, wasn't driving that nice of a car anymore, and he was suffering in his life. And I'm thinking, man, he wasted 15 years of his life in this scenario. God just wants me to be happy. No, he doesn't. God wants us to go deeper. God wants us to move from the shallow end to the deep end and with joy so that you're winning in your marriage. God wants you winning with joy in your careers, in your friendships and recreational pursuits. God wants us to live lives of joy. Would you bow your heads and let me pray with you today?